Well, greetings in Jesus' name, and grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto all of you. Well, I have a message this morning that all of us can benefit from. All of us need it. It's not new. In fact, recently, one of the brothers uh, spoke on this topic. Um, I don't remember which brother it was. I don't remember a whole lot of what he said. I just know that he spoke on it. Some of you will probably remember. So I'm not necessarily changing anything that was said, and I'm suspecting that some of you don't remember what was said either. So it's important for us to hear it again. The title of the message, Let Your Speech Be Always With Grace. Now you all speak, don't you? Let your speech be always with grace. In every time and in every place, that's always. Every time you open your mouth, let it be with grace. That's a fairly um, all-encompassing admonition. Is your speech always with grace? I would think perhaps not. I have to confess mine isn't always, but I do strive to make it so. And that's my exhortation to you this morning. Strive uh, together with God. He wants your speech to be with grace, and He wants it seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I would start by calling your attention to the importance and the uh, serious implications of our words. In Proverbs it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So our words can be either as healthful and healing or they can be like swords and spears that cut and maim. That's our words. Jesus said that every idle word that man shall speak, that shall he give account of in the day of judgment. He also said that by our words, we would either be condemned or we would be justified by our words. In Titus chapter 2, verse 8, young men are exhorted to be of sound speech. And that word sound there means uh, of good health, solid. It is uh, something that can be depended on. It is of good quality. Your speech should be such that cannot be condemned. 
And in James chapter 3, verse 2, For in many things we offend all, if a man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. If we offend not in word, we have reached a perfection. Now, we know this side of eternity, we're not uh, perfect in that sense that we have no room for improvement or growth. And I think that's especially true in our words. Um, But since we speak daily, we speak many words, and they should always be in order in their proper place. How beautiful it is when words find their rightful place. They can be very useful, helpful, but what tremendous damage can be done by words that are offensive, words that cut and wound. There have been a handful of uh, events or things I heard or heard of in this past week that somewhat led me to this topic, and I'm not sure that's necessarily different from any ordinary week, uh, but one of the more jarring uh, incidents this week, uh, I was... uh, with my wife and we were in town and went to McDonald's to the drive up where they have two lanes and I was slowly approaching at the last minute I kind of shifted to the other lane since there was nobody in either lane did not realize someone was behind me and I should have been alert to that but suddenly I hear a shouting and cursing obscene just, I guess, letting me know that I had offended. Well, in order to be heard, I would have had to shout back, but I didn't. I refrained and just went my way and chose to ignore it. But afterward, I was thinking, wow, just at the slightest offense, angry, Shouting, that is not of God, that is of the world. In fact, that follows the rudiments of this world that we are told to purge out of our life. We're not to be of that character, not of that mind. We should not be soon angry. We should not not be shouting like that in anger. And I hope we are free of those things. But it's an admonition to us to guard our words and speak blessing. I have five areas of speech that I want to speak about this morning. Five ways that we can give heed to and actually try to fulfill here what it says to let our speech be always with grace. Maybe before I uh, get into these five points, I should just mention 
here in our text this matter of grace. What is grace? Grace is the power of God to do what we ought. And so we need to strive to have God in control of our words. Now, we have responsibility in that, but we must exercise ourselves unto godliness in this area to have the grace of God guide our words. We will have many times in our life and perhaps even daily opportunity and testings whether we are going to speak well or speak evil, whether we are going to return a blessing for a cursing or even to respond meekly when criticized or when someone does not speak well of us. When our anger or feelings are aroused, how do we respond? Do we let our speech be always with grace? Grace, again, is that power of God to do what we ought. It is the unmerited favor of God, we often say, and I considered that in the matter of speech, there are sometimes, many times perhaps, we need to reply or give answer with unmerited um, favor. In other words, someone says something to you that would uh, make you think to reply in kind, but and when I say in kind, I'm referring to as they spoke to you, but it would not be appropriate. You may need to give and allow the grace of God working in your life to say something that they don't deserve, the pleasant answer that you give, but it's your Christian duty to do so. Okay, let's speak about these five points. The first one is to speak with kindness. In Proverbs 31, it is said that the virtuous woman has in her tongue the law of kindness. That means she has within her spirit a governing principle, a law, something that is working at all times. It's the rule. We know we sometimes speak of exceptions to the rule. Well, in this area, we, uh, we're not looking for exceptions. We're looking for the rule. We're looking for that which is the normal, the common. And a virtuous woman uh, seeks to do that. Have in her tongue a law of kindness. But it applies to all. It's part of sound speech that the young men are exhorted to have. That is kindness. We speak to others as we would desire them to speak to us. We don't want to be yelled at. We don't yell at them. We want to be entreated. Instead of just harshly ordered to do something, we should do so in kind. 
Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Speaking with kindness. Speak with charity. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And he goes on to, to list the character qualities of charity. Most of them are expressed by words. Not all of them necessarily. I mean, there's actions that go with it. But words are an integral part of that testimony of whether we have charity or whether we're speaking in the flesh. Speak with charity. Speak with kindness. And I know that's very broad. One could give many, many examples. Uh, I don't have any particularly here in mind. But it must be that which governs all of our speech. Speak with kindness. Number two, speak with respect. Speak with respect. And this one, I have a bit more to say on this one because there is quite a bit involved in what is respectful. And I'd like to just say first of all that when the scripture says honor all men, that means everyone. And so this matter of respect applies to everyone. At all times and in all places, again, we speak with respect. And we don't say things that would dishonor or demean others. We have a sense of honor. And so we refrain from saying some things that would uh, reflect badly on others. Now that doesn't mean that we can't speak about misdeeds and in their proper place and to the proper people. Uh, we should be careful to keep things limited to those who are involved or if it's something negative, uh, seek to speak about it to those involved or to those who are part of the remedy. And the rest may not need to hear about it. There may be exceptions to that, but speaking with respect to all. But I'd like to just uh, bring to our mind the fact that in relating to different people, it's important to remember that there are differing ways to address people with respect. And I'd like to go through a few of those. The first I have here is the elder and the younger. The scripture makes several references to that, but it says uh, in Timothy that you should rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. So let's think about that dynamic a bit. There could be a time and place for an elder to speak to a younger with some clear direction and authority. It could be done with kindness, should be done with kindness. But it would not be wrong or disrespectful necessarily for an older person to give a clear instruction and direction um, 
to a younger person. But the reverse should not be done in that manner. A younger person should address an older one with an appeal or a, a um, entreat him as a father. And it uses the illustration of parents and children there as a father, a, a child with his father does not order his father around. It's inappropriate. It's out of place and wrong for a child to order their parents. Do thus or so. It is appropriate and in place for a parent to give an order to a child and tell them what to do. They don't necessarily have to appeal to that child would you please consider doing thus or so? But there is a time and place where you tell the child, do this, I want you to follow this instruction. But it's not right for the reverse, where a child tells the parent, you need to do this. And likewise, it's not appropriate for a younger person to address an older person in that manner. You don't tell them what to do. You make an appeal. You, make, you entreat them. Would you consider doing this? Now in the scripture in the New Testament where it uses the term elder, there are two meanings. One being an older person as compared to a younger and it also has the uh, meaning of an office, a position where an elder serves in a church. And it's good for us to remember those are very closely linked. Many times the elder in the church was also an older person, an older brother. Not always. But both of them are spoken of in the scripture and there are similarities in how you uh, relate especially in this matter of speech. I believe uh, the scripture would be clear there when it says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, that the man who holds a position in a church as an elder should be treated as you would a father. Now sometimes fathers are wrong. Sometimes elders are wrong. But that doesn't give you the liberty to tell your father or your elder to just tell them off and tell them how it really is. There is an appropriate way. You make an appeal. You respect their age, their position. And so our speech should be accordingly, with grace, with proper respect. Let's talk about parents and children. Children, honor your father and your mother. That means you don't talk back. When they tell you what to do, you listen. And you say, okay, mama. Okay, daddy. Yes, I will do that. And your parents help you. They help teach you how you should respond and what you should say. You don't uh, talk back. You don't tell them, no, 
I'm not going to do that. No, that is, that's disrespectful. That's rebellion. They help you to learn not to speak like that. <coughs> Children should speak respectfully to their peers, their other brothers and sisters and other children their age, they should also speak with respect, but especially respectful toward parents and toward older people. Sometimes children, are you listening children? Here's something that sometimes children do. They will look at another older person and say, you're not my dad. That might be true, but it is not respectful. If they're asking you to do something, you need to listen. If it's not something that's wrong or hurtful, you should be respectful and listen to them. Parents also need to speak respectfully to their children. To give your child an order... If it's done in the right tone and in kindness, that's not disrespectful. It is, there is an appropriate place to just tell them what to do. There is even reproof that is often needed as you're raising children. But I have heard, and I think you have too, parents addressing children in a very disrespectful way. And that is very hurtful. We as parents must be on guard to not be disrespectful in how we address our children. We should not be belittling them and, of course, all these matters of kindness and, and so on come into that. We speak with respect to all. Husband and wife... There are respectful ways to relate to each other, and this is one that probably all of us could use a little help on. It's some of the things we learn, sometimes the hard way, but let's talk about the husband. How does he address his wife? Does the uh, husband order his wife around like he does his children? He shouldn't. Is he responsible? Is he uh, obligated to give her directions? And that the answer is yes. But there is a respectful way to do that too. And she should not be made to feel nor be spoken to as you would to a child. Speaking appropriately to a child may be right for a child, but it's not the way you address your wife. And a husband should speak to her in this matter of respect and what I'm thinking of as an equal, as heirs together of the grace of life. You, you make appeals to her as well. 
You, you can speak very clearly and directly to things in the right spirit, in the right place, but you should refrain from just abruptly ordering her around or telling her, this is what you need to do. Rather speak with respect and make appeals as you yourself would want to be appealed to as the husband. For the wife, she should not tell her husband what to do. In other words, don't order him around. Don't give him instructions like you would your children. It's fine for you to just tell your child, you know, as, as you're going through the day in life and you have a job for them to do, you can just, you just tell them, you know, Susie, I want you to go and, and you give them an instruction. But the wife should not be saying that to her husband. That is not respectful. She should make a request. Could you please do this? Now, thinking of that phrase, could you go and do this or that? That may be appropriate. Uh, once in a while or in rare occasions for the wife to say that to her husband. But it can have a very different flavor if it's done repeatedly and on a consistent basis. Because I have heard it in that exact manner. Could you go and do, and then minutes later, could you go and do, and after it's repeated a handful of times, it's pretty clear who's given the directions and who's in charge. Even though, technically, it's a request, could you go, but you see in the manner that it's done, it can very quickly turn into, I'm telling you where to go and what to do and when to do it. It's not appropriate. It's not respectful. When you want your husband to do something, you certainly have a place to make a request, to make an appeal, to, to ask him to consider, but you don't tell him what to do and you don't tell him off even when he makes a mistake. And I'm going to throw this next category in. I didn't have it in my notes but it just came to me here. Speaking with respect to our brothers and sisters in the church, and that's, of course, a given with all these other points, but what is particularly come to mind is when we have occasion to rebuke or reprove a brother. There is a respectful way to do it. The scripture is clear that those things need to take place. There's one place where Paul uses the term where he says to rebuke them sharply. And you can look it up and see the context there. There was a problem 
that he felt and should be rebuked sharply. And that term, if you study it out, means to say something peremptorily, meaning without backtalk or arguing. In other words, you say it, in this case perhaps an elder, gives a direction peremptorily, meaning no talk back, this is how it is. We need to make a little room for our th- in our theology for that. If there is a time and place where you can make a clear, specific statement and expect this is not a debate issue, this is not something that's up for discussion, this is how it is. And in, this, in the context, it was a rebuke for something they, they were doing. Now, that is not necessarily the norm. In fact, it's not necessarily the, the norm for all rebuke or correction. In fact, it's probably um, should only be done on rare occasion. But most of the time when we rebuke, it should be done with the consideration, as it says, I believe it's in Galatians, where it says, consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. If you're wanting to restore someone, talk to them respectfully with asking them to consider and making appeals to them, not just telling them off. We don't like that when we're just told off in no uncertain terms what we did wrong. And while it's not pleasant at all to be corrected, we do need it from time to time. We make mistakes and we want our brothers to be a keeper of ourselves and the, you know, we are our brother's keeper. We, we have concern for them and there's a time and place for reproof and for correction, but remember to do it with respect. You don't talk down at them. You don't upbraid them, which means don't just give a stream of criticism. That's kind of the concept of upbraiding is to just really speak harshly and with a stream of criticism and, and correction. That's not... It's not the appropriate way to deal with a problem. Speak with respect. Let's go on to the number three. Speak without guile. And those verses were read this morning. If a man would love life and see good days, let him retain, refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Guile is the intent to deceive or to cover up the truth. Sometimes it's just what we might think is not an outright lie. It's not a... um, We may have spoken the truth technically in a manner that is intended to give a different impression. And that's not Christ-like. It was said of Christ that in his mouth was found no guile. 
If you think that through a bit, there were times that Jesus said some very hard things. He said some things with very stern reproof, but in his lips there was no guile. It was not um, it did not have it in it the intent to deceive or to give people a different impression. And we should seek to always speak the truth. And when we say speak the truth, I know that's a given. We know that. But we should also make sure that it's not with guile. Just that kind of shading things to to give a different impression than what it really is. Number four. Be slow to speak. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. And if a person just speaks and speaks and does not bridle his tongue, he is sure to err in sin because of his multitude of words. And I suppose... Most of us, I know, speaking for myself, I have, I've had to uh, repent and be corrected of speaking too much, too many words. And you realize afterward that it would have been much better if I would have just refrained from the multitude of words. So let's ask God to have our speech always with the grace of having the right amount of words. Slow to speak. And it's clear from that in other scriptures that it is our tendency to say too much. There is a problem in times, of course, where people don't say enough. They, they don't speak when they ought to and maybe uh, not having a healthy amount of communication. But for most of us, we certainly need to guard against just speaking too much. And back to our text there about our speech, be always with grace and seasoned with salt. And think about salt is very effective, but it's has a narrow range of appropriate amounts. No salt, no flavor, you're missing something. Too much, it puckers your mouth and is distasteful and it just doesn't go down well. The right amount. So having the grace of God in our speech means that we need the right amount. Of and the right balance. Think of things like thankfulness and gratitude as compared to reproof and correction. And all of those things need a proper balance at the right time and in the right place. And number five. I have here is to speak with blessing. 
And the passage there that was read this morning and I referred to earlier, 1 Peter 3, 8 to 10, it says very specifically there, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for a railing. We know that when someone does something evil to us, we should not return that same action, even though our flesh would desire to do so. Well, I'll teach them. And sometimes we want to just do it with our words. They speak evil of us. We want to speak back in the same manner. No, that is not a Christ-like response. When they speak evil of us, uh, let us not return a railing and just a stream of criticism and telling them off, but contrarywise, blessing. Let the words that come out bring healing. Let the anger be assuaged with smooth words, kind words. Uh, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. But he says, contrarywise, blessing. I'd like for us to consider in the whole scope of our words and the concept here that we should be speaking blessing instead of cursing or railing. If you find a person that is a good example in this, you enjoy being in their company, you enjoy having them as a friend because they speak blessing, they speak cheerfully. It is the predominant form of communication from them. The opposite is someone who is constantly complaining, constantly criticizing, always of a sour attitude, or maybe just says nothing in way of blessing. Those kind of persons are a little difficult to get next to and to be friends with and to feel comfortable in their presence. You finally, well, you just kind of wish to avoid them. Why? Because we are refreshed when there is blessing. And we should consider that for our own life what kind of an effect that has on our brethren, our families, our children, spouse. Let us seek to speak blessings. Now, let's take a simple illustration. Of, uh, and I'm going to make this a little bit extreme. I hope we're not quite here, but... Suppose in a husband-wife relationship, 
the accusation is made by one that you never tell me you love me. Well, a few problems with that. First of all, the words never and always stir up strife rather than gentle. You know, if, if our words go to speak the extreme, you know, always, never, in the accusation or whatever, it probably is not strictly true. And we should avoid those kind of things because they tend to inflame. But if the accusation is made and then the response is, oh, I'm sorry, okay, I love you, well, that's a little awkward because it seems rather forced and strained. But the truth is, if we have been deficient in something, and I'm thinking especially in the area of blessing, whether it be blessing our children, blessing our spouse, even the thing of gratitude, if it has not been our normal way of life, it can be a little awkward when we start out, you know, or we, we feel a little awkward like, Maybe, you know, this is kind of new. But if it becomes a normal way of life, then it comes freely and naturally. And that's what we should seek to cultivate. If you sense a deficiency in that, as you look at the scriptures and hear the preaching, then exercise yourself. Seek to find those times of speaking words of blessing and think of how that builds up relationship, trust, and makes life easy. We have hard things to deal with in life. And there will be continual hard things. I mean, we, we have... The, these are some things we need to exercise ourselves in over and over again. And pick up where we have been deficient. But I would encourage us to just think about the importance of speaking blessing and making that the dominant uh, story or the, the testimony of our speech and actions. There are Many others, many other things come to mind here about speech. Um, it'd be another whole sermon, I'm sure. But I think I'll just conclude with this admonition to blessing. Let's speak blessings and not worthless talk, frivolous things, um, joking, and all those things. But Speak blessing, speak kind words, speak things that build up in the faith, uh, speak words that are encouraging and not discouraging, and we will find that uh, we will see good days as a fruit of our lips speaking blessing. May the Lord bless you with that.